This is the day that the Lord has made. Amen and amen. You know, the Spirit of God is uh, mysterious and wonderful at the same time. Um, Mitch could not have put together a more perfect uh, preparation for the proclamation of God's Word than what we sung this morning. Our Savior loves us and desires us to know Him even better. Would you join me in prayer? Oh, Lord Jesus, how we thank You that You care for us. You have loved us with an everlasting love. You have responded to the will of the Father and came to this earth. You gave Your life. You have been raised from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father. We long for Your coming. We thank You for the sending of the Spirit, and we pray now that the Holy Spirit will have full freedom to take the truth of Your Word that He Himself gave and help us to understand it and know how to apply it in our lives, we ask in Your precious name. Amen. The blessing of a substantial inheritance can change a person's life greatly. This was true in the life of George Washington, the foremost of our founding fathers. When George was 11 years of age, his father died and left him one of the farms that was in the family. But since he was a minor, why, George's mother took over the running of that farm uh, all of the rest of uh, her life. But when George was in his 20s, his elder half-brother, Lawrence, and his wife also died. And at that time, George Washington inherited Mount Vernon and all of the lands that went with it. And from that point on, the trajectory of his life was success for all of his remaining days. You see, receiving a substantial inheritance can be a great blessing. And the Apostle Paul wants us to understand that. He begins in verse 3 of chapter 1 and says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. <coughs> Pardon me. God is to be blessed because He has blessed us. The first thing He has blessed us with is the fact that God the Father choosing us for adoption into His family in verses 4 through 6. What a wonderful thing to be a part of God's family. The second way He has blessed us is that God the Son redeemed us, granting the forgiveness of our sins, as He says in verse 7 to 10. And today we look at that third blessing, the blessing that God the Holy Spirit has guaranteed us an eternal inheritance. As He says in verse 11, in Him we have obtained an inheritance the spiritual blessing of an inheritance. If you remember in Romans chapter 8, as we were there just uh, not very many weeks ago, the writer says to us in verses uh, 14, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. 
we receive the inheritance. Fellow heirs with Christ, all that He is and all that He has is ours as well. We have received a name. We have inherited a name. And we call ourselves by the name of Christian, followers of Jesus, joint heirs with Him for all of eternity. We've inherited His title. We've inherited His uh, possessions. We've inherited His eternal kingdom. We will reign with Him forever and ever and ever. God has blessed us with an eternal inheritance, and He guarantees that inheritance. Now, the inheritance applies to every single believer in Jesus Christ. In the church at Ephesus, there was indeed a wonderful gathering of various people from different backgrounds to be a part of the church. Included in the church were Gentiles, those who had no relationship to God and the covenants that came before, but also in the church were Jews, those who were descendants of Abraham, those who were in relation to the covenants. And this blessing, this inheritance, is to Jew and Gentile. As he says in verse uh, 12, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ, and then as he says in verse 13, in him you also who heard. He's talked about the mystery in verse uh, 9, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Now, mystery is something that in the Old Testament perhaps even had been referred to, but not fully understood until the revelation of the New Testament. And in chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, he makes clear what mystery he's talking about. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation, so I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations, as it now has been revealed, to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. In the Old Testament, if you read it, you would understand the time would come when Gentiles would indeed come into the kingdom, but it was never revealed to them that it would be Jew and Gentile together in one body. And so he says, we've received an inheritance, and this inheritance applies to the Jewish believers, those who have experienced the wonder of God's elective grace. In Him, in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. God is the one who, according to the purpose of His will, has chosen those who would be brought into the kingdom. Now, the Scriptures are clear. There is none righteous... And there is none who seek after God. But it is God 
who seeks after the sinner. It is Jesus who came. It is the Spirit of God who so works that He draws into His kingdom. And having experienced the wonder of God's elective grace, they are those who put their hope in Messiah. He says in verse 12, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. Now the Those who hoped in Christ have two aspects. It has an aspect of the past, that is, the promises given to Israel. Genesis chapter 3, that they would come when through the woman the seed would be born who would crush Satan once and for all. Genesis chapter 12, that seed would come through a woman through Abraham's seed. And the promise given to Abraham that all the peoples of the earth would be blessed. And there was this hope in the coming of Messiah. And the Jews were the first to have that hope, and they lived with that hope. But it wasn't just the hope of the past, it was of the present as well. For though many rejected Jesus, there were those called of the Lord wooed by the Spirit, who put their trust in Jesus, the Messiah. In Greek, the Christ. In English, the Anointed One. And having put their faith in Christ, they have experienced the wonder of God's grace, and they have become part of the church of Jesus Christ. to the praise of His glory. God was very gracious to me. In my college years, I was able to work in a steel mill, and every summer I earned enough to pay one more full year of college, room and board, the whole shebang. I'd worked in the steel mill for two years in a summer job sweeping floors, but my third year, they were preparing for a strike, and for some reason, instead of doing a summer job of sweeping the floor, I actually was given a job at the front of what was called the pickler, where they would bring the rolls of steel, cold steel, and many of them were mangled in the center, where the forks would go through, etc., and the, the cranes would pick them up. And my job was to take a torch and cut that mangled steel, get rid of it, so that when it went to the pickler, it would be handled by the cranes properly. It's a great job. Hot a little bit, but not much. And there was a shack that we were able to sit in unless something needed to be done. But there was one problem. And that was periodically, at that time, because they were making so much steel, they would shut down on Sundays. And so the crew on Saturday night from the 3 to 11 shift, they would hake the cranes and pull up chunks of steel out of the pickler, and then the welder was to weld the steel together so that it hung all Sunday up in the air. I had never welded anything in my life. And the whole process was dependent upon me. I 
was sweating bullets. <laughs> and that fateful time came, and they put me up to get ready to weld this steel. And the foreman uh, came. He was a man who had worked his way up from the very lowest level to now being a foreman. And he nudged me and he said, Kirk, you know, it's been a long time since I've put a weld in steel. Would you mind if I did that tonight? <laughs> now, it would have been pretty stupid of me to have gone out to the guys and said, hey, what did you think of the weld I put in tonight? Huh? Pretty good. No, the praise and the honor went to that foreman who was so gracious, knowing that it had to be done right to have done it for me. And so these who have been called by God according to the wonder of his purpose, not for anything good they have done or bad that they've done or were, but out of the wisdom of his own counsel had drawn them to himself to his praise and glory. This great inheritance applies to the Jew, but it also applies to the Gentile. As he says in verse 13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. <clears throat> the tension of truth, the balance of revelation <laughs> in chapter 12 11 and 12 the mystery of God's wondrous providential elective grace drawing those who would come to him but in chapter 13 the, the wonder of the free will of the human being who is involved in the process, who have heard the message, who have been exposed to the truth, some through just reading the Scripture, some through reading Christian literature, some through the witness of a friend, some through the witness of parents or a sibling, some even in the church for the first time, but all having heard the message, the truth, the revelation about themselves in need of a Savior and the revelation that Jesus Christ is that Savior. And they not only heard that truth, but they heard the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. They heard that their need was met by this one who was perfect, who went to the cross, who took their sins upon himself, who endured the wrath of the Father, who went to the grave, who was raised from the dead, who ascended to the right hand of the Father, whose sacrifice was acceptable, and those who believed in him. They heard, they were exposed to the truth, to the gospel, and they believed. And as a result, they received an inheritance for all of eternity. Biblical belief is not mental assent. It is not temporal faith. It is trust, dependence upon, 
genuine faith in. So that when I go to the cardiologist and I trust him very much, he's a great doctor, and he says to me, Kirk, you've got some heart problems. I say, yep, I know that. You know, we're going to have to go in and do a catheter, go up and check things out, and we've done that, and you need to have a stent put in. Now, Kirk, I've put in hundreds of stents, perhaps thousands, and I'm willing to do this for you. Do you believe I can do that? Absolutely. I believe with all of my heart you can do that. But are you willing to schedule a time to have it done? That's where biblical faith comes in. That's where genuine trust and dependence comes in. That's when I say, yes, I not only believe you can do it, I'm entrusting you to do it. They heard the truth, the good news of Jesus, and they believed and put their trust in Him. And that's a result They were sealed with the Holy Spirit. They were guaranteed an eternal inheritance. Notice he continues, verse 13, and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. The Holy Spirit is the seal himself. Uh, That seal is um, authentication. That seal is security. That seal cannot be broken except by the one who it belongs to. It is the Spirit who guarantees that we will indeed receive the internal inheritance. And we experience a bit of it already. He is the guarantee, the earnest, the down payment. When the Lord called Sharon and I from our first church to the second church, why we were in a year's process. Uh, I always assumed if God leads, it's time to go. You just go, right? Well, he took a year to lead us. We went to some churches and were very interested in them. They weren't interested in us. And we went to other churches that were interested in us, and we weren't interested in them. But finally, after about a year, we went to a church in Naperville, Illinois, and it, it just was a wonderful weekend. We really sensed that this was God's leading. Um, they hadn't yet said they were going to uh, give us the opportunity to call, be called to candidate, but we sensed that. And so, so we're thinking, boy, Naperville, it's a, it's a lot different, a lot uh, more expensive place to live than what we were used to. And so we conjured in our mind how much more money it would take to buy a house than the house we bought in Springfield, Ohio. And And so we went to a realtor and said, uh, well, how about looking at houses in this price range? And so they took us to three or four homes. Um, They had floor, uh, holes in the floor. Um, I mean, whoa, whoa, what did we get in? So eventually they did ask us to come and candidate, and then they called us to the church. And after all of that, they let us know that years before, the church had had a parsonage. 
And they sold the parsonage and they took the funds from that and they give it to the pastor who comes in so that he can have a down payment. He can give a guarantee to the bank that he will pay off the loan. And uh, what a blessing, huh? What a gift. And then, of course, when you leave and your house sells, why, you give it back. Well, that's what God has done. He has guaranteed our inheritance. The Spirit of God who works with our spirit reminds us that we're joined heirs with Jesus is the guarantee. But I can hear, it would never happen in this church, it must be another church. I hear a skeptic say, so what? What difference does that make in my life right now? Forty good soldiers for Christ they were. And the pride of the Eastern Roman Empire. All 40 were from Cappadocia. And they were part of the 12th or the thundering legion of the Eastern Roman Empire. In the empire, it was being ruled in midwinter of 320 A.D., by Licentius Valerius. And he began to move against Christians in his empire. You see, in the Western Empire, Constantine was on the throne. And he had declared himself a Christian and was moving against the Eastern Empire. And so the emperor made a decree. All civil servants of the empire will now have to offer a sacrifice on a pagan altar to a local deity. And of course, the army is a part of the civil service. And so the captain of the 12th read out the decree. All of the soldiers of the 12th will now offer a sacrifice on a pagan altar to a local deity. As the captain went back to his tent, the spokesman for the 40 came into his tent and said, Sir, there are 40 Christians in your rank and we will not offer sacrifice on pagan idol. Well, they were arrested, brought to trial, court-martial, and as the proceedings began, the captain of the 12 said, Of all of those who serve the emperor, None are more intelligent than you. None are more disciplined and skilled in fighting. And none are more loved by us. Don't turn our love into hatred. It lies within you to choose. Well, the captain alone could not put them to death, but the order of the court-martial was that, and now they had to wait a whole week until the general came, and he was due to inspect the troops one week afterwards. And for that whole week, these 40 were placed under the jailer, Aglaeus. At the end of the week, the general came, brought the 40 before him, listened to the charges and the decision of the court, agreed with them, and turned to them and said, look, I will give you one more chance. 
You can recant and offer the sacrifice or you will experience the torture. The spokesman said, you can have our armor and our bodies, but we will serve our Christ. The next morning, they heard what would happen to them. They would be marched to the edge of the frozen lake. And at dusk, they would be stripped completely and marched into the middle of the lake. At any time, anyone who would recant could come off of the lake and go into the heated bathhouse. They put guards around the lake to make sure none escaped. And the Glaos, the jailer, heard as they marched to the middle of the lake, 40 good soldiers for Christ, they sang, and we will serve him as long as he gives us life. About midnight, the jailer was still awake and looking and cut motion at the edge of the lake and one had come off of the lake, fell to the ground and started to crawl to the heated bathhouse. And the jailer heard faintly, 39 good soldiers for Christ. As he made it into the bathhouse, he was overcome by the heat and immediately turned around, came out, fell to the ground and laid still. And at that moment, something happened in the heart of the jailer. And he stripped himself of his clothing and his armor. And he went to the edge of the lake and he raised his fist and shouted, 40, 40 good soldiers for Christ. And immediately went out into the lake. The next morning, as the captain ordered the bodies to be brought, and as they were being piled up, having frozen to death into the chariots, many of the twelfth were standing, tears in their eyes, when all of a sudden the captain said, Wait, stop. And he saw the jailer and said, What happened? Now, we don't know, sir. We just know that in the middle of the night, he stripped himself, cried 40 good soldiers for Christ, and went out to the lake. Oh, God has blessed us. God the Father has, by his sovereign choice, adopted us into his family. And God the Son has redeemed us, dying in our place, paying the penalty in full, setting us free. And God the Holy Spirit has guaranteed our eternal inheritance. And therefore, we can follow Jesus no matter what. Would you join me in prayer? Oh, Lord Jesus, how can we thank you? 
other than say to the praise of your glory, to the praise of the glory of the grace of the Father, to the praise of the glory of the Son who's redeemed us, to the praise of the glory of the Spirit who has guaranteed our inheritance. Oh, help us to remember in the good times, in the poor times, in the very difficult times that we are yours and we have what you have guaranteed us for all of eternity. May the temporary, momentary problems of this world fade in the light that we are yours. We pray in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen.